This episode brought to you by the Shine Shake, energizing, detoxifying, and balancing breakfast replacement shake. 18 grams of protein, low carbs, delicious vanilla latte flavor. Put it in your shaker bottle with water, you're out the door and you go and you will have clean energy that is balancing you and detoxifying you all day. Eat sparkles for breakfast and shine all day. You're listening to Her Brilliant Health Radio, episode number 48. She used to deliver babies, but now she delivers exceptional wellness for women. Welcome to Her Brilliant Health Radio, where holistic women's health expert and board-certified OBGYN Dr. Kieran Dunstan shares revolutionary insight from leading experts on what you need to know today to treat the root cause of disease, heal, and create the radiant health you've been searching for. Kieran here with another episode of Her Brilliant Health Radio. I'm so glad that you chose to join me today. Welcome, welcome, welcome. I think you're really going to enjoy my guest today. I find her lovely and inspirational, and she's taught me so much. I'm excited to share her with you. I'm going to tell you a little bit about her. Certified clinical nutritionist and functional medicine practitioner, Ina Toppler became an expert in Hashimoto's thyroiditis by necessity. Through her lifelong health struggles originating in childhood and culminating in the diagnosis of Hashimoto's thyroiditis at the age of 20, Ina encountered unsatisfactory alleviation of this disorder in mainstream medicine and discovered that addressing the root causes of this disease ultimately cured her. She is a true frontline warrior for healing, and as the founder of Complete Nutrition and Wellness, an integrative medical practice that treats people globally, and as the host of Health Mysteries Solved podcast, she has helped thousands heal from myriad mystery illnesses by addressing the root cause. Ina is the host of the Overcoming Hashimoto's Summit, featuring over 35 experts on this pervasive disorder, and has been featured in publications such as Fitness, Elle, and the New York Times. Welcome, Ina. Dr. Dunson, I am so delighted to be here. Thank you for having me. Well, I'm excited to have you and share you with my listeners because I love what you're doing on so many fronts. First, Hashimoto's thyroiditis is, I don't think it's quite at epidemic levels, but it feels like it. I mean, who doesn't know somebody or have it themselves or know someone who has it or have a relative who has it, right? Mm -hmm. We all do. Absolutely. And not to mention that, illnesses that are mysteries and aren't solved or remain unsolved. And so I love your podcast because that really is what we do in functional and um, holistic medicine, integrative medicine, whatever you want to call it. We help people solve their mysteries so that they can be healthy. So I'm so glad to share you with my audience and your journey is really very telling of the journey that many patients with the so-called health mysteries or mystery symptoms take. So I'd love it if you could share with everyone how you came to be in the position that you are now. 
Yeah, I would love to. And I also just wanted to comment really quick on what you were saying about Hashimoto's and how prevalent it is. There's actually just in the U.S. alone, 14 million people have Hashimoto's. So that's a lot of people um, and a lot of underlying thyroid issues and hypothyroidism is often due to Hashimoto's and people don't know. And that's actually what happened to me. I was always kind of a sickly child. You know, I would get colds a lot. I'd have throat, you know, and respiratory infections. And I still remember my mom would literally chase after me with shots of penicillin. I grew up in Lithuania and that's what they did. My grandmother was a doctor. So every time you're sick, they're like, great, here's a shot of penicillin. (laughs) And, um, you know, that, of course, knowing now, um, you know, what I didn't know then created a lot of dysbiosis and candida. And, you know, what happened was I went through high school and again, I got sick a lot and I always felt kind of tired and I had bad skin. I had a lot of acne, went through college and kind of the same thing. And then when I moved to New York City and started my full-time job, that's when everything really culminated where I really just wanted to go home after work and sleep. And this was five o'clock. I worked on Wall Street at the time. Like I should have been having the time of my life. And instead, you know, here I was like going home and I lived with three roommates. I'm like, oh, I just want to go to sleep. And mm-hmm. so I was fatigued. I had still bad skin and I was in my twenties. I had a lot of digestive issues. I had a lot of headaches, a lot of PMS and just issues with my cycle. And, you know, I started seeing different doctors and I think, you know, unfortunately, like a lot of other people going through this, you see all the specialists and this is what I call the disjointed care. You know, so I saw a gastroenterologist who looked at um, my IBS and said, well, there's nothing we could do. There's no cure, you know, but you could try this medicine, you know, and then I saw a neurologist for the headaches who said, well, you should exercise more, but I was too tired to exercise. And, you know, then I saw a dermatologist for my skin who gave me antibiotics that just gave me a yeast infection <laughs> that I had to go see a gynecologist, right? And so it was just this <laughs> round and round. And, you know, we laugh about it now. It was pretty frustrating <laughs> at the time. And, you know, what was interesting is I saw an endocrinologist who gave me the Hashimoto's diagnosis and I was so excited. You know, I know people would think, wait a minute, why were you excited? But I'm like, no, I finally have an answer. You know, there's something, I have something. And so I was sitting up, so I'm like, okay, great. So what do I do? And her answer was, well, there's nothing you can do. There's no cure. So we're just going to wait, watch, and see. And I'm like, what are we waiting for? And she said, we're going to wait until the Hashimoto's destroys your thyroid, at which point I'm going to give you medicine. No joke. And, you know, this is unfortunately something that happens to so many people. And I knew even though at that point I was still working in the finance field, I didn't know as much about natural medicine or functional medicine, but I just knew deep down that that wasn't really the answer that I was happy with. And there's got to be something else to it. And, and, uh, you know, we're laughing about that. That's what the endocrinologist said to you. We're going to wait till the antibodies destroy your thyroid and then we're going to give you medicine. But that is legitimately what we doctors tell patients. And it is insane. And, and I think, you know, we're laughing at the insanity of it and the insanity of the path that you had to take through this disjointed medical system that really is only concerned with what, what's the diagnosis and what drug do I need to give you? And instead, I'm so grateful that you found the path to why. Functional medicine is the path to why you have what you're having why you have the symptoms you have, why you have the diseases you have, 
that is the path. And so I know it was not funny at the time and you were probably very confused, very scared, very hopeless. Like a lot of, I know that's how I was when I was suffering at 243 pounds and had chronic fatigue and slept all the time and hurt all over and had irritable bowel and depression and anxiety and my hair was falling out. I mean, I am here, I'm supposed to know everything about women's health and I can't figure out what's wrong with me and get myself better. So it was a very hopeless place. And I imagine that you were there too. Mm-hmm. And yeah. And so now talk about the transformation of, of what happened. Yeah, so after about two years of this going to different specialists, then I was also a very good patient. So if someone told me to take something, I took it. If someone told me to do something, I did it, but I just I wasn't getting anywhere. And I think you sort of start to blame yourself because you're like, well, I did everything they told me, so it must be my fault. I'm not doing something good enough, right? Or maybe if I just tried a little harder, and of course, you know, the stress of that obviously doesn't help the situation. But um, finally, I stumbled on a website, and, you know, I was doing research, and this is back, we're going back to 2002-ish or so. So I think that functional medicine, as much as, of course, it was around for a long time, and, you know, there was no social media to the point that we have now. It was just a little bit harder to get the information. So, but I stumbled on a website for a clinical nutritionist who also did functional medicine type approaches. And um, everything that he was writing on this website, I was like, check, got that, got that. And it just really, really resonated with me. And I started seeing him and this was really the beginning for me. So I actually had a lot of different imbalances. And um, it's something that I laugh about now because I'm like, what did I not have? Because I had everything, but it all really makes sense as to why these things were happening. So I had a lot of toxicity. I had high copper and high mercury. And growing up in Lithuania, they don't have the best dental care. And so when we moved to America when I was 10, you know, I think just not having the right sort of dental care when you're younger is going to affect your teeth. And so I had a lot of cavities, which then were all filled with amalgams when I was probably around 14 or 15. So I'm not kidding when I say that I had 16 amalgams, I me mean, pretty much a filling in every one of my teeth. Um, and so I had that and I had copper toxicity. I had really bad candida. Again, not a surprise. My parents gave me penicillin <laughs> all the time when I was younger. So, and I was experiencing yeast infections and a lot of the other symptoms too. So I had yeast overgrowth. There was some parasites. There was some SIBO, the metals, my adrenals were shot. You know, and I think uh, obviously the infections themselves were what was creating it, but then also just the stress of not feeling good. And I also didn't manage stress well back then. Everything was sort of a catastrophe. Um, so, you know, that didn't help. And then my thyroid was actually off. So even though, you know, my Hashimoto's antibodies were elevated and an endocrinologist originally said that my thyroid is okay, my hormone levels were actually lower than they needed to be. And my TSH was still within range, but it was on the upper end. It was in the high fours. And, you know, at that point, the range was going up to about 5.0. And, you know, and I was like a 4.6 or 4.7. It would have been flacked easier and better now. And so we embarked on a journey to really start fixing all of those things. And this, you know, I was so happy because these are things that there was an answer for. You know, so it wasn't that, okay, we're just going to, take this medicine or cover this up, we were actually fixing all the underlying imbalances. And this clinical nutritionist and functional medicine doctor explained to me that being that Hashimoto's is an autoimmune disease, we really have to address the whole system and what's 
triggering the immune system essentially. And so we went to work. We replenished a lot of my vitamins and minerals. We took out the toxins. We sprayed the liver. We cleansed the gut. We supported adrenals. And I'm not going to lie, this wasn't an overnight process. It was hard work. And at that point, I wasn't eating very well. I had to take out gluten. I had to lower my sugar. It was a big change. And I was in my 20s. So I was drinking way more beer than I really should have. And so it was a big change. But it was something that I knew I absolutely needed to do. And as I started doing that, it was it was just amazing. It was amazing how things started to just subside. And you know, once one thing got better, then I would be motivated to do more. And so my digestion improved first, um, then my energy improved, then the headaches went away. And I didn't take any medicine for these things. And then eventually my skin cleared up. And for my skin, I think kind of the vanity in me was that was the one thing that I'm like, oh, if I just, if I could just stop having pimples, I think my life would be much better. And that did happen. It took a little bit because I had to clear out a lot of junk from my body, but it did happen. And now look at your skin. It's so beautiful and clear. And it's it's so true. If you're listening, this this is a it's for real, folks. When you treat the root cause, everything gets better. If you hear Ina saying her gut health improved, right? So it sounds like you had irritable bowel went away, headaches went away, and then acne went away and she's going to talk a little bit more about her Hashimoto's pretty much went into remission correct but when you Mm -hmm. yeah when you address the root causes you really uh, do get health and so you're now you've been in remission Mm -hmm. yeah yeah so the way that I look at Hashimoto's and how I explain it to the people that see me is how it was explained to me originally. And it's that there's different triggers that are going to affect our immune system. Mm -hmm. And if we take care of those triggers, the immune system doesn't have to work so hard and it's not going to then fight itself as much. And so a lot of times those triggers are going to be different infections. I had Epstein-Barr and I had a bunch of gut infections like the Candida and some of the other gut bugs. It's going to be toxins. For me, metals was one of the biggest toxins. You know, and everyone can have their own. I mean, we are all different. So I think it's important for us to individually look to see what our triggers are. Um, but metals was it for me. Um, and, you know, I did so much liver support. I'm sure there was other toxins in there that also were able to come out just with the support that I did. Stress is another big avenue. And I've done, oh, my goodness, so many things for that. And I think there's a lot of, like, mind-body connection stuff with that. I started meditating, which was amazing and this is actually a little bit more recent but it's really been life-changing um and then really working on releasing a lot of limiting beliefs and you know things that kind of get your inner dialogue in this tailspin you know and it's constantly talking to you telling you things like you're not good enough or not pretty enough or this or that and that may not seem like it's stress but but it is it's a lot of stress on the body so i worked on all of that Yeah, and uh, so, you know, for me, when I eliminated those triggers, that's what got my antibodies down. And um, another interesting thing happened to me also is, you know, when I track my antibodies with the work that I do, you know, I have access to a phlebotomist, it's easy, and I track my thyroid numbers every six to eight weeks or so. And my antibodies, when I started, were in the thousands. And there was a time where the lab didn't even quantify. So it was above a thousand, could have been 10,000, who knows. and I got them down, um, and they were pretty low, like in the like 100 to 200, which was really good for me. Yeah. And then at that point, 
I realized that I really needed to support my thyroid with medicine. And I was one of those people that I'm like, okay, let me do everything naturally because this is what I do. I'm going to support my adrenals. I'm going to support my vitamins. I'm going to take zinc and selenium. So maybe I won't have to take medicine. And I did that for a while. And my TSH got better. My hormone levels got better, but they were still always borderline. And another practitioner I was working with said, you know, medicine isn't the end of the world if your thyroid really does need it. And, you know, oftentimes I think when we do things that, are more in the natural space, we do sometimes look down on medicine because we've sort of been betrayed by medical professionals in the past. Um, But in my case, my thyroid really was struggling, and I decided a little bit of medicine might be good because I think it could be doing a disservice if you don't have enough thyroid hormone. Thyroid hormone is needed for every cell in our body. And so I went on a small dose of nature thyroid, Um, so that's the more natural compounded. And what was interesting is my numbers got better within a few weeks. And I actually started to feel even better. My energy got even better. My hair, and I didn't have so much of an issue with my hair, but I just noticed that it never grew past a certain point. Well, it started growing (laughs) a lot more. And so I noticed a lot of these good changes, but my antibodies went back up. So I tested, there were 800, then there were 2,000, Then they were 6,000, and I thought, okay, wait a minute, what's happening here? And I talked to uh, different colleagues, and there is this phenomenon that if you take more of a natural medicine, your body can sometimes react to that, because if you're um, essentially attacking your own thyroid, the body may think that the medicine is your thyroid and attack it. It's rare, but it does happen, and I've read about it. I've just never known anyone with that. And I thought, well, could that be me? Of course, it figures, right? I always have everything, um, what it seemed like. So uh, I decided to do a trial and switch to a synthetic. And and it, this was a little controversial because I've talked to a lot of people, and they said, well, why are you going to switch to a synthetic? You feel good. Everything is fine. You know, maybe you should just not worry about it. But to me, I knew, well, wait a minute. My antibodies went up. That has to be a reason. And so I switched to a synthetic, and within three months, they dropped from 6,000 down into the low 200s. So for me, it was impacting me. Right, and that's interesting, and, and, and it just speaks to a few different points that I want to highlight. We need to do, we, what we do is personalized medicine. Each person is biochemically very individual based on their genetic makeup, uh, but also based on the epigenetics, what genes are being turned on or turned off. And so we have to to customize it. And the other point that you highlighted is that medicine is not bad. Medicine is good when needed. It's just that you can get so far with natural holistic therapies that you may not need medications because a lot of medications, I won't say this necessarily for the synthetic thyroid replacement, can have adverse side effects. So, but there is gluten in the synthetic uh, thyroid replacement um, and and potentially some other chemicals as well. And so you are adding a toxic burden, which detoxifying is really the cornerstone of what we do. Uh, And so what happened with that it created your professional uh, transformation as well as your personal transformation? So I ended up going back to school while I still worked on Wall Street to learn more about this because I was just so fascinated with how well it worked for me. And I didn't even really think about doing this 
as a business. It was more, let me learn more so I could help myself more, so I could help my family more, help friends more. And I, it's funny to say, but as I was going through high school and college, I actually never really liked learning that much. I think that it was because, you know, I was always forced to get good grades and it was just this upbringing. And I think for me, it was like, right, let me get in there, do what I need to do, remember what I need to remember and get an A and be done. Um, And so learning wasn't so fun, partly also because obviously I guess I wasn't enjoying what I was learning. But when I went back to school to learn this, I couldn't wait to go back and learn more and study and, and really find out everything I can about how everything worked, all the pathways, how everything was so connected. I was really fascinated with this interrelationship of all of these organs and body systems. And so um, one of the programs that I did, I did a master's program and I also did a program at the Institute for Integrative Nutrition that was more of a food-based program. And they were really talking about starting a practice and helping people and that you didn't necessarily need to have an office at first. You can do appointments over the phone, you can meet people at a Starbucks, you can meet people at home. And I was like, huh, all right. You know, and I, it wasn't something that I still was like, this is what I'm going to do. But I think it was very encouraged. And so I started on the side, just helping some friends. And then that turned into helping friends of friends. And then it turned into renting an office. And my job was very flexible. So they let me work four days a week. And I was working one day doing this. And then I asked them if I could work three days and started doing two days of my own practice. And eventually I'm like, do you think I can work two days a week? And they said, you know what? I think you're fine now. Like you could just quit. (laughs) Um, And that was 2006. So I've been practicing for um, over 13 years now. Um, You know, and I've moved from a smaller office to a bigger office to yet another um, bigger office. And um, yeah, it's sort of just, yeah. That's Just how it came. Awesome. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then very excited about the Overcoming Hashimoto's Summit, which I participated with, which is ongoing. So if you're watching this and you're listening to what we're saying and it's interesting to you because you have Hashimoto's or you know someone with it or a loved one has it, it's definitely something that you want to check out because there are 35 of the top experts in the world talking about Hashimoto's because this is a very curable and treatable disease unlike what you may be hearing at your doctor's office if that's what you're hearing you need to say thank you very much and go out of their their office and get yourself the knowledge tools and support that you need to heal because healing is available to you you just need the right information the right tools and the right support. And so definitely check out the Overcoming Hashimoto's Summit. Anything that you want to share about the summit? Yeah. And, you know, just to your point, I I think Hashimoto's is so curable and there's so much you can do and the information is just not as readily available. So that's why I wanted to host the summit so that I can gather the world's expert on this topic and really present the information in a way that's very easy to understand and very accessible and what's nice about the summit also is that it's free so people can listen for free when it airs it airs for a week in july and um you know we can all get educated um and what i'm doing with the summit is i'm really addressing it from all angles because i truly wholeheartedly believe that 
being that Hashimoto's is an autoimmune disease, we have to look at it from all angles. And so we're talking about all the different triggers. Um, we have people talking about the food connection, people talking about the different toxins, and then experts such as yourself, we talk so much about the underlying meaning of it and some of the psycho-spiritual stuff and the emotional stuff and the traumas, which I think is just so, so huge. And unfortunately, it's just not understood well enough and it's not highlighted enough. I mean, no doctor is going to sit down with you and ask you about personal traumas or experiences that you've had. It just, they don't have time for that. And, you know, a therapist may, but then they're not going to connect that to necessarily some of the physical stuff. So, you know, for a lot of people, that part could be the missing piece. And it's just so important. Right. So yes, you don't know what missing piece to the puzzle you're going to find. And so you might find it at the summit with the 35 different experts. So I certainly encourage people to uh, listen and watch and pay attention to that. And I also am really excited about your podcast, The Health Mysteries Solved. <laughs> it's kind of a house-like podcast where you talk about these cases that are very difficult where people are similar to you or similar to me and you went from doctor to doctor to doctor i went <laughs> from doctor myself but did go to my other doctor uh and um some others and had a similar situation and although i didn't have um really i didn't have an autoimmune disease at that time I had symptoms, and maybe if you're listening, this is you, that were making my life miser as miserable as if I had a debilitating, life-threatening disease. Because all I did was sleep and work. And so when your life is relegated to that, it's almost like having a life-threatening condition uh, because you're, you're not really living, you're existing. So talk about that podcast and, and what inspired it and what you've loved about it. Absolutely. And I'm so excited that I interviewed you on it and that will be airing soon. So I can't wait for that episode to come out. But, um, you know, that the inspiration there was really that a lot of the people, you know, my clients and patients that I see, you know, they call me the health detective. And so they would come to me for a specific issue, which their doctors typically can't figure out. And, and again, not that it's their fault, but they're just not looking at it from that lens. You know, they're just trying to attack it with medication, which isn't always possible. And so, um, you know, I kind of put together all the little puzzle pieces and we figure out what it is and then they get better. But typically once, you know, they're seeing me, they'll come back a year later, something else happens. Or, you know, if let's say they have a child and their child needs something, they'll come back. So, you know, they're with me and they kind of know that I'm going to figure stuff out uh, for them. And so being kind of called the health detective is where the name came from. And I wanted to do something where, you know, people can understand that even though, um, the symptoms might be similar, the cause of them can be different because we are all individual. And so I talk about various cases and for example, something like fatigue, that's a very common symptom. You know, a lot of people with Hashimoto's have it, but people have it with, you know, all types of issues. And so I have many different episodes on fatigue, but we focus on the specific reasons that person had it and it's going to be different so this way when people are listening they're going to be able to see themselves in a case and then see okay maybe this is my answer and if that's not it then there's another case with fatigue and maybe that's their answer so just kind of to show people that if they haven't found answers yet it doesn't mean that they're not out there you know I want people to know that the answers are out there and there is hope 
we just have to look in the right place. And a lot of times there's just nowhere where people can find those answers or look in the right, know how to look in the right place. Yes. And so I'm wondering, I kind of have a framework of how I think about health and how I approach a patient, which for me, because I'm OBGYN and that's so focused on hormonal health really starts with, for me, the foundation is hormones. Do you have a framework that you use to evaluate a person when they come to you? Uh, to an extent. I mean, I do think that depending on the person, I sometimes look at it from different angles, but the gut is a really important part for me. Now, also with that said, you know how they say that you attract those who have similar issues to what yeah. you had. And I think being that I've had digestive issues, I think I naturally just attract uh, clients and patients that have digestive issues. But I find that even if people don't come to me for digestive issues, you know, they may come for fatigue or for autoimmunity or for skin issues. One of the questions that I always ask is, well, how is your digestion? And we go into in depth about how that's going. We go into, um, you know, about their bowels and the foods that they're eating and also their history, um, how many times they've been on antibiotics and other medications. And so I find that for so many people, there's going to be imbalances. And even if someone doesn't have specific GI symptoms, if they've been on antibiotics, you know, once a year or more than once a year, there's going to probably be likelihood that something is off, you know, whether it's a dysbiosis of some kind or SIBO or yeast overgrowth, um, you know, or something with a food sensitivity that could come from leaky gut. So I always look at that. I mean, unless they've already explored that with someone else before coming to see me. And even if someone doesn't have digestive issues, sometimes we'll run a stool test or organic acid test, and we're always going to see something. It could be overgrowth. It could be lack of enzymes, lack of stomach acid. And that's the other thing, too. I mean, we all have stress. I mean, even if we don't think we're stressed, we're just bombarded by stress, both physical and emotional. And, you know, I think sometimes people don't realize that when your adrenals are off, that's going to affect your production of hydrochloric acid. And we need hydrochloric acid to break down our food. And yes, we don't want to have too much because that in some situations can cause reflux, though oftentimes too little causes reflux too. And if we don't have enough food, it's just going to sit there. So we can be eating these amazingly healthy organic foods and they're not breaking down. We could be eating wonderful grass-fed beef and we're not going to get the amino acids from it because it's not breaking down. Right, and, and let's just highlight a few things that you said because you said a lot that's very important. So gut health, one thing that's important if you're listening is even if you don't have gastrointestinal system, excuse me, symptoms, I promise you, you have gut health problems. But so I always say that the ones who have the symptoms are actually lucky, believe it or not. I know you're thinking, Dr. Kieran, lucky that I have bloating and gas after I eat? Yes, because then you know that there's a problem there and you need to look. Whereas people who come in with no GI symptoms, I have to convince them to have stool, functional stool testing. Oh yeah, I got this at the conference I went to. Look at my little phone. <laughs> I love that. Isn't he cute? I'm showing everyone listening. It's a little, uh, I don't know, squeegee toy that's a, a pile of poop. Uh, anyway, um, if you're listening, so you, you really do need to look at the gut. And I always say that the gut is the center of your body and it's the center of your health. And so that is usually the next place that I go is to look at the gut. You mentioned a few things with initials that I know some people are going, what is she talking about? So SIBO. Talk about that a little bit. 
So SIBO is small intestine bacterial overgrowth. And what happens there is we all have bacteria in our large intestine, which is our colon. And that's where, I mean, of course, we don't want to have too much of what doesn't belong, but for the bacteria, it should stay there. The small intestine really shouldn't have anything. It should be sterile. But due to various potential issues, bacteria can crawl up there, if you will. And some of the issues could be motility. So if someone has constipation, um, if things just are not moving down well, if there's issues with the liver or the gallbladder, if the bile is not coming out well enough, those are things that can create um, this sort of downward sweeping motion that is supposed to happen to either be slowed down or not to happen. And then that's when the bacteria curl up. And then what happens is that that's where we do a lot of our absorption of the food. So if we have bacteria in the small intestine and we're eating foods, then we're going to feel typically a lot of bloating, distension, um, you know, within an hour or so after we eat, sometimes even a little bit sooner. And conventionally, there are antibiotic treatments that can support that. And the antibiotics um, usually are things like cefaxin, which are more gentle per se, you know, they don't go into the bloodstream, they just open when they're in the small intestine, so they can be helpful. But um, if you don't address the underlying root of why you got SIBO in the first place, you're going to relapse. And so um, the other thing too is you can have yeast that grows there and antibiotics aren't as effective. So if someone does have this overgrowth in the small intestine, typically it's going to be fungal and bacterial. And then I like using antifungal, antimicrobial, antibacterial herbs in synergistic compounds so that we can address all of that together and then making sure that you know we have motility and things are moving um you know toning the vagus nerve is another really important thing i don't think enough people talk about that um you know sometimes that tone becomes weak and that could be the reason why things are moving down so gargling um singing you know anything that we can kind of use our, our voice um is a good way to tone that yes and uh in if you're interested in learning more about the vagus nerve, check out one of my podcast interviews where um, I interviewed uh, Dr. Habib, and he talked about his new book about the vagus nerve. But that that's so key, uh, the re reinvigorating the vagus nerve so that you can re-energize the gut to have that proper motility to move things down. And isn't it interesting, we were talking in the summit about the thyroid fifth chakra mm -hmm. and how really the, the vagus nerve does get innervated through fifth chakra activities. And so gargling, singing, speaking, toning. <clears throat> And um, that that's really key with thyroid issues anyway. So it just clued me into that. So it's something I'm going to have to do a little more uh, thinking about and researching. But getting that motility right, are you your subject to SIBO, small intestine bacterial overgrowth, or CFO, small intestinal fungal overgrowth? So, and the other thing you mentioned was the low hydrochloric acid. So for everybody listening, that is the acid in your stomach that helps you to digest your food your digestion starts in your mouth with mastication and then in the stomach particularly protein bonds are broken down by hydrochloric acid and it's very common that this will start decreasing starting at the age of 30 and by the time you're 70 most people have almost none and so you can really get a lot of symptoms associated with that um, and um, what are some of the things I just love for you to talk about because 
uh, protonics and some of these uh, H2 blockers are so prevalent and they're probably in the top 10 medications prescribed in this country. Mm-hmm. And they can cause, they can have huge ramifications for your health. So talk a little bit about those. They do. Uh, So mineral and vitamin deficiencies, B12 deficiency is huge. And what's interesting is that these things aren't really meant to be used long term, but a lot of times people maybe don't see their doctor for a follow-up and just stay on it longer, or maybe the doctor will tell them it's okay, you could stay on it. I know my 97-year-old grandfather is on it, and he's been on it for many years, and I'm like, Grandpa, you don't really need this, and he's like, oh, my doctor told me I do, I do. Um, you know, meanwhile, you know, I'm giving him B12 supplements and calcium and magnesium because I know he's not absorbing anything plus, you know, old age on top of that. So there's just a lot of deficiencies, but then also, um, because you have less acid, like you were explaining, we need acid to break down the protein bonds. So then that's how we get our amino acids, which are the building blocks of everything. And then on top of that, um, you know, where we get, of course, our energy from our food. Um, and, and so people then also can start to feel bloated and distended. And that's because food then sits in their stomach. Sometimes people feel like there's almost a brick there. People will sometimes say, like, every time I eat, I feel like there's a brick in my stomach. And in some situations, people will actually start avoiding certain foods like animal protein, especially things like, um, you know, red meats. You know, and again, I think everyone is different. Some people can do okay with them, and they may be better for some than others. But, you know, for some people that do need iron, I think red meat is important, um, you know, especially for certain blood types. And people will sometimes start avoiding it because it doesn't make them feel good, thinking, oh, my body just doesn't like this food. But is it that your body doesn't like this food or that your body just can't process it because you've, de- you've depleted your acid so much? Yeah, and that's an interesting clue when people say, well, I don't eat much meat. I always ask why. And a lot of times it's because I just don't feel so good after I eat it. Well, usually that's a telltale sign of the low uh, HCL. So, so, so much information that we could talk about. I think that people should really check out your Health Mysteries Solve podcast because that will really help them understand the thought processes behind looking at someone's health. And although you may not hear exactly your health problem, you're going to really get a good idea of how we break down your health to look at the root causes. And that, and you'll know too that you'll have hope if you listen because you'll know that what you're suffering with has a cause and the cause is identifiable and it is Readable, and so you can have a higher quality of health and uh, live a better life. Anything that you want to share about that? Yeah, no, I appreciate you saying that, and really, that was one of the purposes of this is for people to have hope because I didn't want people to feel like I did when I started because I didn't know where to turn and I'm so thankful that I stumbled on this website when I did but a lot of people just don't have that information and um, you know I think sometimes even if someone is seeing a natural practitioner and I've had people that have come to me with uh, you know all of their test results and as much as information is good there is such a thing as overload and Uh, what is it, paralysis by analysis, that's the phrase that we use. And so, um, 
you know, I think you also want to make sure that as you have this information that you kind of know what to do with it. And, and there are answers. There's things that you can do. But sometimes people get so down about, oh, well, I have this disease or I have this polymorphism, which is like a genetic mutation in, say, like an MTHFR gene, which is just a very popular uh, polymorphism that people may have. And it may not even be expressing. So it may not be the end of the world, but sometimes people get so down about, oh, I have this or I have this. And so I think that I really want people to know that no matter what you have, there's ways that we can either biohack it or kind of get around it or support it. And sometimes that support is not what you think. So for example, you know, I, there was one episode I did where um, it was a teacher and she was getting sick all the time. Now she worked with little kids. And so of course, you know, she was around germs and she did everything, probiotics and vitamin C and antiviral herbs. And I mean, every single immune supplement known um, to us and yet it wasn't helping. And for her, the issue was that she has this underlying belief that getting sick was bad and that there was something wrong if she's sick. And, you know, there was this, a lot of like emotional stuff. So, you know, sometimes we think, okay, this is what it is and this is how I fix it. But if you haven't fixed your issue yet, it doesn't mean that there's no answer. It's just that you probably haven't looked maybe in a place that is the right place for you. Right. And I, I always like to say that if you haven't found the solution, you haven't asked the right question. Yeah. Uh, if you, haven't, if you fa haven't found the solution to your health problem, you haven't asked the right question. You haven't done the right test. Right, right. Learned. Yeah. Thank you so much, Ina, for sharing your path and your expertise and your passion with us. I'd love it if you could share with everyone the top three take action steps you would recommend if they're suffering with health symptoms or diseases that they're really not getting answers about or they're not getting better. They're just stuck on medications for years. What would be the top three take action steps you would recommend? Of course. So I would say number one, look at your diet. And this is something that you can do by yourself, you know, especially if people maybe can't afford to see a practitioner that does this, or it's just not in the carts for them right now. You want to look at your diet because you are eating three, four, maybe five times in a day. So we want to make sure that first we're putting in clean foods. And, you know, this may sound basic, but, you know, sometimes people kind of get into the nitty gritty, like, okay, I'm going to eat only this type of grain versus this. And that's important. But we also just want to make sure that we're eating real foods. You know, sometimes we get so into the specifics that then we realize all the foods we're eating are actually processed. So fruits, vegetables, clean protein, organic whenever possible. And depending on the issue, and I'm not the type of nutritionist that thinks that everyone should be off gluten or dairy because I do think we are all different. However, if you have an autoimmune disease, there's a big connection between gluten and autoimmunity, not for everyone, but but there there is for a lot of people. So if you haven't tried eliminating gluten, you can test for it and there's genetic tests for it. There are there's a lab from um, called Viber America. They do a Zoomer test, which is pretty good. But again, if you maybe don't want to spend the money or are not able to get the test, try just going gluten free, but you have to give it at least three to four weeks to see how you feel. And same with gluten-free, you know, you don't want to replace bread with just gluten-free bread or gluten-free pretzels. You want to try to go for more of the wholesome food. So brown rice, quinoa, millet, sweet potatoes, these are gluten-free, but also natural and healthy. So I'd say food is number one. And for a lot of people, that is going to be 
really um, make a big difference for them. And also as it kind of relates to food, I think we have to be mindful of blood sugar because again, people sometimes are so focused on what foods they're eating. They forget that they have to eat in a timely way. They have to balance it. So yes, sweet potatoes are good for us, but if we eat five sweet potatoes without anything else, even though it's a good carb, it's still going to spike our blood sugar and that's just not going to make us feel so good. And I can't tell you how many people I have that come to me with very limited diets because of, you know, SIBO and leaky gut and candida and all of that. And they say, well, I can't tolerate anything but these two things. And so that's all I eat in large amounts. And, you know, I mean, it, obviously there's ways to, to go about that. So, you know, it's eating the right foods. It's balancing your blood sugar. Um, mindset, I think, is really, really important. So that's number two. And for mindset, you know, I know sometimes it may seem daunting and it may seem like, how am I ever going to get out of this hole? But if we don't believe that we can heal, it's going to be really hard for us to get there. And so if you're dealing with something and you're asking yourself, do I believe I can heal? And the answer is, mm, I don't know or no, then we want to ask ourselves a couple of questions. You know, why is that the case? You know, are there any limiting beliefs under that? And also, is there anything that I will have to do then once I'm feeling better? Because oftentimes, there are certain things that we may have to face when we're better that maybe we don't want to. And so subconsciously, we could be sabotaging ourselves um, because we don't want to make the changes, like potentially with your work situation or your home or your partner or whatnot. Um, so I think, yeah, mindset is number two. And number three is addressing stress. I mean, I guess that and mindset sort of go hand in hand, but stress, it's just, it has such a huge, huge effect on the body. And I actually, myself personally, have experienced a few Hashimoto's flare-ups. And for those that um, don't know what that is, that's basically where everything is fine. It's in remission and that out of nowhere, because of some type of a trigger, um, the immune system kind of flares up and antibodies go up. And for me, they were both in times of stress. Once was after my son was born. And of course, there's hormonal things that are involved too, but it was the lack of sleep and it was the very steep learning curve of taking care of a baby. And then the second time is when I was going through um, a really stressful situation at work and just, you know, wasn't really handling it the way that, you know, I guess I could have. And within weeks, my antibody shut up. And it, it just goes to show, I think most people, we know stress affects us, but when you see it on paper and you see the effect it actually has when it's measurable like that, it's just astonishing. So, you know, I would say for, um, we all have stress, right? We can't change our life necessarily, but anything that we can do, whether it's meditation, whether it's journaling, walking, taking time for ourselves, um, talking to friends, you know, anything that kind of makes you feel good is going to help to support stress. And then also just thinking about how we can respond versus react. Because oftentimes the same situation um, is going to happen no matter what, but how we accept that or not accept that situation is what's going to then happen or potentially not happen to our body. So really thinking about the way that you're responding to each stressful event. Yes, I love those top three with food being in the in the top and having mindset and your psychology in there and stress. Stress is huge. 
So thank you for those. If you're listening, pick one of those and you don't have to tackle it all at one time. You can just say, what's one thing I could do today to manage my stress better? Maybe I could look at a certain situation that's upsetting me and change how I think about it. Or what's one thing I could do when it comes to my food? You don't have to change everything all at once. You know, maybe when I go shopping within the next week at the grocery store, I could pick more organic produce and maybe look at getting some organic meat. So just pick a few things that you can do that are actionable because you don't have to be perfect. You just have to take the steps and start moving in that direction. And then before you know it, you're at your destination, which is a healthy, vibrant, brilliant body that supports you in doing the things that you love to do in life. So, Ina, thank you so much. I want to end by asking you the name of the podcast is Her Brilliant Health, and you certainly exemplify that, and I'm wondering if you could share with everyone what that means to you. Uh, Well, thank you so much for those kind words, and I think to me, just having gone through so many different things, brilliant health really means health in the body and health in the mind. So, to me, it would mean having vibrant energy having glowing skin, um, having a digestive system that's just working very effortlessly. Um, And, you know, if someone is at an age where they're cycling, having regular menstrual cycles and just really feeling like they could take on each day and be ready for whatever the day brings. And that's from the physical side. And then from the, the mind side, for me, I think it's just having peace of mind. And I don't mean that we don't have any stress, right? There's always going to be things that come up, but it's more about having that peace of mind that whatever is happening, that you're going to deal with that. Um, and whether you believe in the universe or any higher power, uh, you know, it doesn't have to be religious at all, but just having sort of that trust in yourself, trust in your body, trust, you know, potentially in a higher power that kind of is working with you. It doesn't matter, you know, it could be either way, but just that trust in your body and um, that peace of mind that you're going to be okay. Awesome. Who doesn't want all of that? <laughs> And it's a work in progress. So, you know, it's it's something that we're always striving for. And there's always going to be things we can do. But it's a nice thing to strive for. Yes, I love it. And I, I wish that is what I wish for every woman, every woman listening, every woman in the world. I wish just what you described um, as her brilliant health. Thank you so much for joining me today and for all the work that you're doing. Oh, Dr. Karen, thank you so much for having me. This has been such a pleasure. I so appreciate it. My pleasure. (laughs) Thank you for joining me for this episode of Her Brilliant Health Radio. Hopefully you're inspired to take action on some new information you received today. A step towards the bountiful, blissful, beautiful vitality that you deserve. If you have health topics and questions you'd like addressed, please message me on my Facebook page or visit KieranDunstonMD.com and let me know. I'd love to help. Remember to share this podcast on social media and send it to your friends and family who could benefit from it too. If you love the show, please go right now to iTunes, write a review, and make sure to subscribe to the podcast so you'll be the first to know when future episodes are available. Thank you again for joining me. And remember, achieving optimal health isn't magic, it's science.